you for tuning into Breakaway Beauties. We'd like to thank Mercedes-Benz of Nashville for allowing us to record in their conference room. I'm Abigail Martin, here with Cameron Martz. Hi. And Abby Miles. Hi. All right, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. I know this is probably not what you guys want to hear for the first thing in this bit. Um, Ryan Johansson's high stick against Mark Shifley against the Jets. What do you guys, I don't know, I it, I try really hard to make it out like it's not as bad as it was, but it, it was it was pretty bad. No, I thought it was really bad. I'm a huge Johansson supporter, but that was super dirty because he totally could have avoided that whole thing. And Cameron, you know that he is your favorite player, so I'm sure it was really hard for you to watch it because, as Abby said, you try to see if there's a reason that it happened. Like, it was an accident. He didn't, like, mean to do it, but... He was with Shifley holding on to his stick, and he has two hands, and the puck is going the complete opposite way of where they are. How did that make you feel? Well, when I was originally watching it, it just, I don't know, I guess I didn't really see it as clear as when everyone was posting it on Twitter, and it was like the slowed down version. I was like, man, that's that's not very good. But when I, when it was happening game time, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. And, like, I hate – I I love Ryan Johansson, but also Mark Shifley is one of my favorite hockey players aside from the National Predators. But it was – there was there was no – I hate to, like, be this person that, like, judges it by whether there was blood or not, but there, there wasn't. And people are like, Ryan Johansson should have gotten 20 games, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, I think two was a little bit – it was – it could have been more. It should have been more. should have been more than two. But, I mean, it, there was no blood, and he only got – it should have been more of a penalty as well. It shouldn't have been two minutes. It should have probably been a, a five-minute or a game misconduct because it was intentional. I think it was intentional. Obviously, of course, mm-hmm. he, he didn't intend to hit him in the head where he did, but he definitely had both hands on his stick, so he intended to get in that general direction and area. But, I mean, it's hard to judge a player that you love so much like that. Yeah, and, I 100% thought it was going to be five games. I mean, obviously, it wasn't an in-person meeting so it couldn't have been any more than five games but yeah I 100% thought it was gonna be five games I'm with y'all I think the suspension was a little bit too lenient and Abby you mentioned that there was no blood of course there wasn't but that's such a sensitive spot because that caught him right on the neck and on the head Mm -hmm. that's a dangerous spot and we've mentioned in our previous podcast concussions are not like something to joke with Mm -hmm. so I was really surprised to see that he only got two yeah because that could have led to something a lot worse that could have been very detrimental to Shifley in the long run. Thankfully, he didn't. I would like to think that Johansson didn't put it in that aspect of, like, an injury type of deal. I'm sure it was like a – I'm sure when you're in the moment and the adrenaline's rushing, you're obviously irritated that he's pulling on you, but going to that extent was really dangerous, and I'm glad it – not glad, but it could have been so much worse. And it's good to see a player like Mark Shifley kind of – he reacted a little bit, but he got right back up. And what I liked about it is that he didn't – go and complain to the ref or anything. He's not a player that gets mad when he thinks something isn't enough. Like you saw, Mark Shifley didn't go to the ref. He went straight over to the bench. Like, he knew it was going to be called. He didn't complain about it. Like, there are other players in the league that would go straight to the ref, and they'd complain, complain, complain. They'd want a bigger penalty. They'd want this guy to be ejected. But it was Johansson's first offense. Yeah, he's hit a couple other guys. He's been, I wouldn't say dirty, but he's been aggressive in other areas. But it's his first offense. He's not He's not that kind of player. So, I mean, what do you really expect from it? So, you mentioned that he is a first-time offender and somebody that we have come to know as 
not necessarily the dirtiest player, but really controversial, Tom Wilson. They're on a seven-game losing streak. How are y'all feeling with a change that's going to happen? I think it's one of those things that everyone expects them to do so well, especially after going to the Stanley Cup and winning it, obviously. But, I mean, sometimes you just got to lose seven games to get back out there. I mean, you can't win them all. And it's kind of sad to see, like, the Caps fans out there where they're like, oh, we're on this slump. Oh, we're not going to make the playoffs. We're Y'all just won the Cup. Like, you, you just won it. J- just now, like five minutes ago, you guys were lifting the cup. That's – it's – these fans don't really – they're so – they're still in, like, the honeymoon phase of being the fan base that just won the cup and that they're just – they're all still celebrating that they're, they're – they don't – they're not used to their team kind of being in this slump like this. And it's hard to – if I mean, if the Preds won the cup, you know me, I'd be flipping out for the yeah, next five years, ten years, <laughs> fifty years, whatever. But it's just it, – it's hard for me to kind of comp- – like comprehend that they're so upset that the Caps are just like losing a couple yeah and like I said I mean you can't win them all and they're still second in the Metropolitan Division so it's not like their slump has caused them to just completely fall out of the playoffs so that's at least a good thing that the fans can kind of help boost their confidence in this team even though most of them don't like that they're on a seven game losing streak but that was the same with the Preds the Preds went on a very very long losing streak it felt like and it didn't really affect the Preds in the standings at all. Of course, as a fan of whatever team that you're supporting, it's hard to see a losing streak go on, and you want to see your team get better and improve, no matter if for the Preds it was for injuries that we like to give that excuse out. But you as fans realize that it's not going to stay like this. You're not going to be in such a dumpster area for so long. But – you're going to be able to work your way out of it and seeing a team go from struggling really like struggling with where they are and how they're playing and to changing back into the team that you know they are Abby you mentioned like they just won the cup mm-hmm. as you said 5 minutes ago a little dramatic <laughs> but I'll take it um you have the potential of what your team can be and I think we as Preds fans going to see the Preds through the Stanley Cup final run and the through the next season you expect so much more out of your team, and we always like to call out Kevin Fiala or Colton Sissons, Abby, stay calm. Um, <laughs> you see what Fiala can do and Colton Sissons can do in a Stanley Cup final, and you're under so much pressure. Of course, we don't know firsthand what it's like, but you can only imagine. If you can see what you can do under that much pressure, and then later throughout the season or next season or whenever, see that they're not doing too well, you're going to resort back to your your prime time, I think. And you have such a higher expectation of what someone can do because yeah. you've seen it before. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt after the cup final. That's what I expected to see from the Preds the next season. But I do want to go back to Ryan Johansson because a lot of people say as he's playing and as he's healthy that he's not – I've been seeing a lot of people saying that he's not, not a huge aspect like Philip Forsberg and Arvidsson is. He's, kind of, he's the centerman. I mean, he's the main – he's like what holds the first line together. And I think – with his two games being gone, it really showed how much of a big aspect he is to this team. Yeah, because the two games suspension he got, the Preds lost both of those games, and they really couldn't get that momentum. And so it just shows how big of a deal Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, and Victor Arvidsson are to the team. I mean, it's, it's feasible for them to win without them, but you can obviously see that they can like do it anyways. But really, 
Victor Arvinson, I mean, come on. He has the most goals in 2019 so far above everyone in the league. How do you guys I, feel about that? It's amazing to see a team from – or a player from your team that you support be so successful, not only throughout just your team. Because, I mean, you're enjoying the wins. You're enjoying how much he's scoring. But you're seeing it on a league status, and I think that's insane. And kind of backtracking a little bit, Ryan Johansson, no, he's not our leading goal scorer, but he has 43 points. He's what, as you said, the glue to the first line. Mm-hmm. So in if you look at the offensive aspect of it, you could go either way. You could say he's not scoring, he could do more. But you also have to think he has a great shot. Whenever RV and Johansson, I mean, RV, whenever RV and Forsberg were out, you saw him shoot more. You see he has a great shot. Mm-hmm. But he kind of takes the back step and gives it to RV and Phil. He makes amazing passes and still sets the team up for success, whether you're putting the point yourself or you're getting the primary or you're getting a secondary assist. But as you said, Arby's what we're talking about. He's doing pretty well. Him with him with Philip getting back, they're both back on the ice. Everybody's doing a lot better. You're seeing a change in the game, and that's really good to see. I remember vividly when he scored his first hat trick with the Preds in his first season. Everyone, when the NHL tweeted hat trick Victor Arvidsson, the comments were just like, "Who is that? Who is he? Yeah, Why he, are you tweeting about him?" He didn't get he he went undrafted. It was one of those crazy things that he went from a nobody to a somebody. And honestly, I feel so, like, blessed to have watched his journey throughout the years as a Preds fan. So Yeah. Speaking of journeys, let's go ahead and talk about our back end a little bit. Pecorine, UC Saros, the goaltending duo, the phenomenon of the NHL. I want to talk about UC's 47-save game the other night. Incredible. I have I have no words whatsoever. There are no words. I seeing I know we've said this so many times, but it's just so important. We're not gonna have Pekka forever. Mm-hmm. And seeing someone that's gonna step up and be there and hold hold his part is insane. Not only is the defense doing their part, Soros is doing spectacular on his own and he's really holding it up. So I hate to think about we hate to think about Pekka leaving. But seeing Soros be able to step up when he's in, it's amazing. Like, the era of the wall isn't going to stop with Pekka. I mean, yeah, just think about it. Like, UC grew up idolizing Pekarine, and now he's able to play underneath him, and Pekka's watched him grow to a spectacular goaltender. And, like, UC's dad's name is Pekka, and Pekka was the guy that UC kind of lived under while he was kind of first coming up into the league. And now you're really seeing the effects of being underneath such a spectacular star goaltender, that like the effects that it's having on UC. And he is he is more than I could ever ask for for a uh, for a backup. Like I loved Carter Hutton, loved him, miss him, love that man, support him 100% wherever he is. But UC Soros, I can definitely see him being the future of the Nashville Predators. And I'm excited because I mean he's he's a short guy for a goalie. He's short and. I feel like some teams wouldn't necessarily give him the chance that he deserves to get into the spotlight with him being as short as he is. Yeah. But in my opinion, I feel like short goalies give are just short as good. Give short goalies a chance. <laughs> yeah, give short goalies a chance. I mean, give short they're players fast. a chance. <laughs> yeah, they're fast on skates. I mean, when they push over from side to side, they're just as fast as someone's tall. I mean, they don't cover as much of the net as Pekka does, but they're still just as good. 
I've noticed a lot, if we're, I'm kind of like backtracking going back to Arvidsson, you guys have seen Tarasenko. I know he's not a short guy, but he's, you know, he's a star of the St. Louis Blues. Um, the way he does, like he goes on the side and then he kind of, he slows down and then when the defender kind of cheats up, he flies around him. And that's exactly what I've been seeing from Arvidsson lately. And it's so cool to see a guy like Arvidsson mimic a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, a guy who's led the St. Louis Blues to many playoff series. It's it's huge to see a guy like him mimic mimic that. Yeah, it's good because then you feel like you have an all-star without actually being nominated as an all-star. You do, and we've never had, the Preds have never had a 40-goal score. And I think that if it doesn't happen this year, it's definitely happening soon. I totally think you could do it. It's up and coming, whether it's going to be Arvidsson or if it's going to be Forsberg. It's coming, and the fact that we have two potential threats to get to that mark, wow. what We're doing something right, hockey gods. I know – for Twitter, everybody's saying, oh, the hockey gods hate us, everybody's injured. So not only do the Preds have a potential threat of one 40-goal scorer, but there's two. You have Arvidsson and you have Philip Forsberg. So I know we've been talking about the players, and I think we really need to give the coach the credit that he duly deserves. Laviolette since hit 600 wins as a U.S.-born head coach. He's only the second person to do that behind John Tortorello. So... That's huge. That's Crazy. very special. And I think Preds fans and the organization in general, to have someone with that history now under his belt, and he's not done yet. There's so much more to go. I mean, we're truly lucky, and it's going to be amazing. We need to talk about all the time about how cool it is to see a player progress. We mentioned Arvidsson. But now we're seeing Lavi go from 600 and continue his streak precisely with the Preds. So I think there's something else that's pretty notable that we have to mention on this podcast because it's coming up here pretty soon with SEC Weekend around the corner. The NWHL is coming to Nashville, the National Women's Hockey League. Are you guys excited? Of course. I'm ecstatic to be able to see so many women come together and show show their skill set. And it's so special that it's going to be in Music City and that they've recognized Nashville as such a special hockey atmosphere. And I think that's huge. It's going to be amazing to see firsthand everything that's happening in the NWHL. I mean, and it's going to be happening where the Preds play. So that adds a little extra touch for Preds fans. And hopefully everybody sticks around and goes. I think it's going to be, it's an, going to be an amazing experience to watch and to see and be a part of. Not only is it happening where the Preds play, it's happening directly after the Preds are playing. It is following the St. Louis Blues game on February 10th. What is it, like 30 minutes after? Not even probably. They'll, Not they'll even. Zamboni the Zamboni ice, they'll time. get all the stuff, and then they'll be out there. I think it's it's free to whoever goes to the It's free to Blues whoever game. goes to the Blues game. Like, and that's I just, insane. I just think it's exciting because obviously in 2016, Nashville hosted just the normal All-Star game, and now Nashville's getting another opportunity to host the women's all-star game. So I think it's a good balance, especially for the people who live in Nashville, to kind of get a bit of both. So I think that's going to be super exciting and super fun just to see a different atmosphere, I guess. No, I'm, I'm very excited to be able to witness that. We talked about SEC Weekend a little bit. It's coming up February 8th through the 10th. How special is that for us to be able to witness that again and all these college teams come together and play for the SEC title? I'm, I love going to it. It's, it, it, it's impressive every year. It's the most exciting time of the year. Of course, people are going to say Christmas or something. Yes, of course. But for us as hockey fans, this is exposure to something completely new. 
because being in Nashville, you really have you're going to see Vanderbilt and Middle Tennessee State University. Those are your two Tennessee teams, but and they of course you're going to see whoever their opposing team is when you're at home. But having SEC weekend, you're going to see Arkansas, Auburn, UT, Florida, Georgia, Vandy, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. And you're going to have 10 games, as you mentioned. You're going to have the championship game. It's a brand new experience, and it's something so sincere and genuine held in Nashville. It's huge. I love working at every year. Um, if you are able to attend it, I definitely recommend it. Um, the price is $15 a day and $40 for the weekend with military discounts of $10 a day and $25 for the weekend. Um, it's definitely worth it. If you can, go buy them on Ticketmaster. There are no fees if you do that. Um, but it's just it's such a fun weekend to be able to watch the college atmospheres that travel with the teams and see such strong fan bases, especially I, I remember Georgia's fan base. They have hundreds of fans that travel with the team. It's cool to see the atmospheres travel and how special it is that – NHL teams, yeah, they have great atmospheres, but that college teams and all of these players have the same passion that NHL players do, and they all have the same dream. Um, it's just it's cool that they all come together at Fordyce Center and that we're able to witness that every year. And it's cool because there are, most of them are out-of-state teams, so you really truly get to see their fan bases come to life as a traveling like fan base because obviously only Vandy and UT are – the technically close schools that are in the SEC so far. So they'll be there, but now you'll have teams from out of state coming and showing up and wearing their team's colors. So I think it'll be cool to see. Yeah, you're up close and personal, and as you mentioned, you can see the passion for each of their college team. That's where they've chosen to go to school. That's who they play for. And who knows, you could be seeing the next Philip Forsberg or the next Pecorine or the next Alex Ovechkin. You never know what you're going to see and who's going to bring what to the table. And having that exposure is – it's incredible. And as fans, you get to be beating up on the boards. You get to be yelling. Of course you're going to have that in the NHL atmosphere, but you're even closer. And that's what makes it really special and unique. You're watching college players go after their dream. And what better way to do it for SECHC weekend? So, yes, if you're able to be there, definitely be there. You will see all three of us working the tournament. So if you see us, please come up and say hi. Okay, so we have a couple special guests here with us today. We have four UT Ice Falls players, and they're just going to introduce themselves a little bit. My name is Mia Becker. I'm from Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm a goalie, and I came to University of Tennessee as a transfer student from Boston University, where I was playing D1 women's ice hockey. Um, I was studying engineering, and I found that I didn't have the balance I needed between school and hockey, so I decided to transfer to Tennessee and be able to focus better on my engineering studies but still play hockey on the club team. My name is Graham Northern. I'm from Jackson, Tennessee. I'm the team president. Came to UT as a fourth generation ball. Learned that there is a hockey team and just got into it from there. Hi, I'm Ryan Siebert. I play defense for the University of Tennessee Ice Falls. I'm from outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And I came to UT mostly because it was an in-state school that I just really wanted to go to. But it also allowed me to get out of my backyard and get away from home and just expand as a person and continue my hockey career. Hi, I'm Drew King. I'm the Vice President and Centerman for the UT Ice Falls. Um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I uh, came to UT because my dad is alumni, and I played four years of juniors with the USPHL Atlanta Knights. So we have a broad amount of fan bases in the room with us today, so we're going to go back around and they're going to share their favorite hockey experiences and how they got into hockey.
My family moved to Virginia in 1999 from California, and my older brother, Spencer, was very active, so my parents enrolled him in as many sports as possible every season. So he started off playing roller hockey, and as the younger sibling, I spent a lot of time at the rink, and I realized that that was a sport that I wanted to play too. So when I was six, I started playing roller hockey, and then my brother switched to ice, and then I switched to ice, and then he switched to goalie, and then I switched to goalie when I was about nine. So I've been following his footsteps ever since, and it was a really cool time to be in Northern Virginia because it was also when the caps were getting really popular. So there are pictures of my family going to free skate before caps games when you could buy a ticket for $10 and it also came with a hot dog and free skate. So that's how my family got into hockey and my, my transition into being a goalie. My story is sort of the same as Mia's where I started off playing roller hockey. So my family got season tickets to the Preds when they started off in 98 and so we started going to the hockey games and I fell in love there. Found a youth roller hockey league in Jackson, Tennessee and started off playing roller hockey, moved to playing travel roller hockey in Nashville and then got into ice hockey from there. Um, like I said, I'm from Atlanta, so uh, I grew up watching my beloved Thrashers. Uh, my earliest memory was uh, going to see the Thrashers and uh, asking my dad that I wanted to try the sport, and I've honestly stuck with it uh, all the way up until now, obviously. Ever since I was five, uh, my dad you know, had me on skates ever since I was little. Uh, he was really the one who really introduced the sport of hockey to me and just ever since I've fallen in love with it and I've just stayed with it throughout my entire career so okay well now since we've let you guys introduce yourselves a little bit I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about the program and what it means to you guys so the club team has been a really great experience for me um, like I said at Boston I didn't have a really good balance between my uh, academics and sports so being able to come to UT and still play hockey and still have the good team experience and, and make friends like that and be able to play the sport that I love has been really great for me because it is my, my favorite sport. And I, I think the best part about UT is the friends that I've made. And, you know, I know that these teammates are my lifelong friends. And I think it's been a really beneficial experience for me to be a part of. So hockey aside, this is my second year as the team president. I've been involved with the team for five years. And it's been really great as a character building step and to help build business skills and just great off the ice experience to go along with the friends I've made through the program and the fun hockey times that I have. So this is my first year uh, here and uh, it's been a really, a really rewarding experience so far. Um, I came into UT not really knowing anyone. Uh, since I played four years of juniors, I'm now 21 as a first year student so it was really hard for me to make friends at first but like getting to know this team and playing with them most every day has been really awesome for me uh, it's been um, really good for my social life as well oh uh, yeah for me I'm a freshman uh, this is my first year in college and just going throughout the first semester I really realized you know what it what type of commitment it was going to take to be on a college team like this and make sure that you know day in and day out that uh, you're fully committed to the team and I just feel like it really means a lot and I think that you know over the next few years it's still going to mean just the same. Okay Graham tell us a little bit about the program. So the Ice Falls are the oldest SEC hockey club we've been around since 1966. We have two practices a week we have rivalries with every single SEC school 
Uh, we travel with the football team, so when we're playing Florida next year in football, we're also playing Florida in hockey in Florida. So let students go around, travel, see other campuses, get the football experience that you ex expect to get from a SEC school in the South, as well as to get a camaraderie with your teammates and play against people who are in similar situations at other schools. Our rink, our home rink, is essentially on campus. It's maybe a five minute drive, so it's, it makes it really easy on students to get to practice for our practices we have and then get back to campus to get their work done. We do have an academic focus. You have to maintain a 2.0 GPA. We have study halls that we host just about every week. So now I'll let Mia tell us a little bit about the academic aspect of being on a club sport. So obviously everyone comes to college to study uh, academics. So as an engineering undergrad major, I found that there was a good balance between school and hockey and even other activities too. So I was involved in other clubs. I know teammates are involved in fraternities and it's all about time management and organization, which we push everyone to be their best at so that they can be fully committed to all of their programs that they want to be involved in. We also hold weekly study halls, so we try to match freshmen with mentors that have taken those classes before or uh, need, maybe need help with studying or maybe just need help organizing um, their, their agendas for the week. So that is how we try to keep everyone academically eligible. And it's a good opportunity to build relations with teammates too outside of hockey because like I said before, these are the friends that we want to have for life and our teammates are our best friends on campus. What do you think the biggest advice is for an incoming freshman that wants to play a sport? Uh, I really think being a freshman and going through that this year, uh, I think that it's most important, like Mia said, to go through time management and really make sure that you plan your schedule like a week ahead and make sure that many college classes, most professors would give you the homework that you have to do ahead of time and they'll have it in the syllabus. So you have to be responsible from day one with your homework and making sure you're caught up on your grades. And because if you let that get behind and then you're, you know, you have practice to go to and things like that, you got to make sure that you really make sure and get all that done and make sure that you're still showing up to practice while also getting your grades done. So just making sure that you're organized and making sure that you're keeping up with all of your work. So outside of playing hockey, what else are you guys doing? So we try to have a broad community outreach. One of the things that we've done this year and last year is volunteered at an elementary school in Knox County. So we had a few of our guys go and to the recess PE times that the, the schools would have and we just bring our sticks and play hockey run drills and just teach kids how to play hockey and it was a fun experience I know all the guys who went loved it. Another community outreach we do is work with the local sled hockey team. It's really cool to be a part of. Uh, we do everything from helping them at practice to moving pucks around to helping new players learn how to stay on their sleds and uh, helping with drills and things like that and running the clocks for their games. They have um, games every almost every weekend and they have big tournaments that they host too that bring teams from all over the southeast so it's really cool to be a part of and help them learn and grow the game of hockey for everyone. So since you guys have been with the organization what would you say is your favorite memory of being with the team? My favorite memory I think was playing against Kentucky this year. Uh, it was a tough game. We so it was a tough game, 
Um, but I think it was probably one of the best games I've ever played in my entire life, and it was really fun to be able to share that with my team. And it was it was especially gratifying to have people from the other team come up to me and congratulate me, and other fans came and shook my hand and complimented me. And uh, especially being a woman on a male-dominated sport, it's it's really fun to get the, that kind of respect that um, you know I can, I can be out there and compete, and a lot of people don't think I can. And how many saves did you have? I don't know. Do you guys remember? <laughs> it had to be around 70. It had to be around 70. 76 saves. Yeah, so it was, it was a quick math guy. It was a long game, but um, it was really fun. And, you know, I love playing, so it was fun to be able to make lots of saves. Yeah, it was definitely fun to watch from like behind the glass. What would you say, Graham? So my freshman year, my very first game I played was we took a road trip to Florida and played the Florida hockey team, obviously. We won the game in a shootout, so I thought that was a really good way to start off my college experience was beating Florida in a shootout. And then later that year, we also played Kentucky. It was a midnight game at Kentucky, just like all their home games are. We always played them at midnight for whatever reason. And they had a couple thousand fans there just screaming, being obnoxious. And we also we won that game in an overtime, so it was really fun just winning a game that late on someone else's rink in front of all their fans. So uh, this is my first year here, but um, I think being named captain uh, was a huge honor and really eye-opening for me. Um, these guys choosing me to be their leader, even though I just joined uh, their brotherhood, was um, really uh, spectacular for me. Uh, for me, I'm also a freshman. This is my first year, just like Drew. Uh, for me, what has been probably my favorite part is just getting the college hockey experience. It's much different than high school. Uh, it's much more on you, and, you know, in high school, a lot of times, you know, you'd have your parents drive you to practice when you weren't driving, and you'd just practice that one time a week or whatever, and here in this case, you know, we're practicing two, three times a week, and we have games multiple weekends in a row even, and it's just much more uh, involving, and I feel that it's just been a lot of fun so far, and I just want to keep making those memories with the rest of the team. So this year, you guys are going to be able to be a part of SEC Weekend next month. Uh, what kind of honor is that for you to be included in that? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, we only got to play around uh, 16 games this year due to uh, unforeseen circumstances. But uh, we're really excited to go to SECs. Um, I think it'll be a great weekend. Um, I think we're going to be extremely competitive in it as well. And we're really looking forward to the experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing against teams again, that we have seen earlier this season, having another chance to play against them. And on a bigger stage, uh, hopefully we get a good fan turnout. So if any of you guys are in Nashville and want to come watch, um, we'll post our schedule so that you can see. We'd love to have you come watch and come say hi after the game, too. Yes, the Ice Falls will be at SEC Weekend next month, February 8th through the 9th, 8th through the 10th, sorry. Uh, ticket cost is $15 for a day and $40 for the weekend, with military discounts of $10 a day and $25 for the weekend. If you buy them on Ticketmaster, there is no fee. And also, if you ever want to get in touch with the Ice Falls and if you're interested in playing for their club hockey team, please contact icefallshockey at gmail.com. So now I'm going to go ahead and mention our episode Lee breakaway. Um, we're going to talk about Pekka's save on the penalty shot that Benino caused at 16.30 of the second period against the Colorado Avalanche. Pecorino made a spectacular save, and then Benino came back about a minute and a half later, and
and scored to give the Preds the lead once again. So that is our breakaway save. Thank you so much for listening to Breakaway Beauties once again. We can't wait for the next one. You right. You right. You right.